T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Time now for Ken and Curtis with Ken Laird and Chris Curtis on WEEI. All right, the uh, the Ken and Curtis show has officially hit Trenny and Tomasi levels. We are sans Ken Laird today. Last Saturday, you were without us both as I was battling heroically COVID-19. <laughs> uh, and Ken is up uh, heading up north with his uh, family, going to see his wife's family. So he's off today and the next two Saturdays. So, you know, I like to give Ken a hard time, but he's relatively hardworking during the week. I saw him. We had a uh, Boston uh, Odyssey Boston event. Thursday night at Cisco in the Seaport, and Ken arrived, and he looked like, oh, my God, he looked like he'd just been sitting under a desk for 70 hours. So uh, I'm sure he's going to have a nice weekend up there. I'll miss him today. I thought we were going to go at it over Tom Brady for four hours, but sadly, I cannot, but that's good news for you guys. Brian Barrett is in. Good morning, Brian. What's up, Curtis, man? Hey, uh, congratulations on beating COVID. Oh, thank you. It was, uh, it you know, I've, I've taken down uh, gin and COVID in my life, so I don't know what's next. Was that so. your first COVID, or did you have it before? No. So, I I mean, it's just like everybody else. I was sickest when I was testing negative, and then the second I tested positive, the rest of my family was sick, uh, but I felt fine. Like, I didn't, whatever. Hey, you know, I'm happy. I'm, I uh, got some antibodies, I'm sure, and I'm ready to take on the world. I'm happiest that uh, my son and wife are doing well as well. So uh, we have a big show for you today. I have a simple question. Uh, I was thinking about it this morning, walking around the lovely streets of South Boston. Which team is closer to a championship? The Boston Red Sox or the New England Patriots, because the teams are both in relatively similar positions because you had their last title, the Red Sox, 2018, winning in five against the Dodgers, the best season in the history of the organization when it comes to wins and performance on the field. And the Patriots in 2018 won their final championship, their sixth with Brady and Belichick, 
That was a defensive championship in the Super Bowl. You had the Brady comeback in the AFC Championship game in Kansas City. So one organization has won a playoff round. Two, if you're being sort of you know honest about it, the Red Sox advanced to the ALCS last year, beating the Yankees in the one-game wild card and then beating the Rays in the wild card round. So the Patriots have not won a playoff game since they won Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta in 2019. So I'm interested in your thoughts on that, what you think of the Red Sox Patriots, who is, you know, better organized and better prepared to win. And just speaking for myself, I still go Patriots because I am incredibly concerned about Heimbloom, the Red Sox, in that insofar as I don't believe that the Red Sox have the temperament to allow Heimbloom, because we don't know if Heimbloom's a good GM or not. This is his first job. But I would prefer that they not meddle. So if Heim wanted to trade Evaldi and he wanted to trade J.D. Martinez and he knew there was going to be a backlash, but he trusts his process, whatever it is, I'd rather see him enact that. Whereas with the Patriots, I know Bill Belichick will have the ability to do more where he can be the one who is behind every draft pick, every free agent acquisition, and he's done it before at a very high level for a long time. So I go Patriots. Where would you stand on that, Brian? I'd probably go Red Sox just because of the fact that they were there last year, and I know a lot of things are going to change here, but you can always move on from the general manager, Bloom, which I feel like with the Patriots, and I'm optimistic about the Pats, I, and I know their offense has been struggling at training camp, but I'm, hi, I'm high on Mac. I Especially lo- when everybody down there <laughs> is trying their best to dress up the pig. Right. And that's my that's my thing too is I look I like a lot of the personnel, right? I love Stevenson, I like Harris. I feel like the fact that I think part of the struggles is the fact that they're changing things offensively. So they're getting used to this new scheme and all that even though they won't say it's a new scheme. But I feel like they're at least another offseason away, right? Because even if we say everything goes perfectly, Mac takes another step in year two. Barmore turns into an absolute beast, which it looks like that's going to happen. Stevenson has a good year. Bourne's really good his second year in the system. Parker gives you something. You still feel like, all right, defensively, you still need some work, right? you got to add some corners next offseason. You don't have J.C. Jackson. So Jalen Mills is your number one. So I feel like there's still another offseason, and that's with all these things going right. With the Red Sox, I feel like, okay, if you make a couple of changes, uh, mainly the guy upstairs, if you feel like he's not going to work out long term, well, then I think we've seen it, right? Because how many different GMs have the Red Sox won World Series with? Several. Three of them. They've won with three. Di- they've won with Theo. They won with Sherrington. They won with Zimbrowski. They won with Tito. They won with somehow Farrell. Right. And they won with Cora. So I feel like the Red Sox. Is that their most impressive World Series? Is that like the. Without question. Is that like Belichick going seven and eight with Cam Newton? Without question. I mean, think about that. I mean, John Farrell and Mike Matheny were both trying to wor- lose the World Series with some of the moves they were making. <laughs> Mike, He's that, horrible. That was such I was in. We were in St. Louis uh, with Dennis and Callahan back then. We were in at Bush Stadium. It was the strangest thing. We flew to St. Louis the night of Game 2 at Fenway, watched Game 2 at a Chili's in Chesterfield, Missouri, and then the next morning, did the show, 45-minute drive. By the way, St. Louis at a quarter of four in the morning local time, that is a place you want to avoid. Holy cow. That was the most terrified I've ever been in my life. And you go in, and there, we did the show at an empty stadium, and there wasn't even a game that night. I, Wait, I, hold on. I don't understand this. So you guys went there the day of game two. Correct. To do a show in the in-between day? Yes, so you didn't see the game in Boston? No. We did it at a... Well, it, it, it was... it was Yeah, we watched it at a Chili's, 
right outside this air, this hotel that was nowhere near anything. And then the next morning, we drove 45 minutes to Bush Stadium, did the show, and as we're doing it, like, the players are, like, pulling into the parking lot and grabbing, you know, getting changed and going home from the flight from Boston. It was the strangest thing. That's Whatever. bizarre. Yeah, it, a lot of bizarre things. That's probably not the top 10 most bizarre moments at WEI, but I digress. The The question remains, 617-779-7937, if you want to join us on this. Who do you have more faith in to win the next title? Who do you think wins it first, the Red Sox or the Patriots? We have a ton of sound today. Uh, Colin Cowherd yesterday maybe said one of the dumber things I've heard in a long time. Charlie Weiss joined uh, Merloni Fourier and Mego yesterday afternoon and talked about what was on the plate of Matt Patricia. And the the offensive coordinator thing has been beaten to death, and I understand if Patriots fans are exhausted by it. I just go back to... When this move was made, when McDaniels was hired by the Raiders and you had this clear vacancy at the offensive coordinator position, I heard Bill O'Brien first and foremost. Right. Obviously, that couldn't happen for whatever reason. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are, you know, simpatico and they made a gentleman's agreement about not poaching coaches while they're still there or one year in, whatever. But there was not a soul who was calling the radio station and said, you know, we need to get a defensive mind to coach offense because who knows defense is better than a defensive coordinator. And it's just been accepted. And for me, it could work. Of course it could work. I I remember vividly when Troy Brown was playing in the secondary, Ron (laughs) Borges was screaming from the mountaintop about how stupid it was. When Vrabel was playing tight end, when they snapped the ball, Lonnie Paxton intentionally snaps the ball into the upright of the field goal in Denver in 2003. They take the safety, they win the game. He's done unconventional things that have worked over and over again. But this just seems so weird. And we'll get to Charlie's sound. I guess he he talked about it yesterday with Marloni and Fourier and Mego, and he said, you know, it's it's not an easy thing for the offensive line coach to also be calling plays. Yeah, one of the things I don't like about it is, well, there's a couple of things, but the first thing is just the fact that, Curtis, last year during the season, Belichick came out, he didn't have to do this, but he came out and he compared Josh McDaniels to Nick Saban. Now, I disagree with Bill's comparison. I don't believe that Josh McDaniels is on the Nick Saban level. You look at any time he didn't have Tom Brady, his offenses haven't been good. And I've been frustrated with Josh over the years as well. But the fact that the coach makes that type of comparison and then the replacement is two guys that have never called offensive plays, whether it be Matt, and it appears it's going to be Matt Patricia, but the other candidate, if you will, was, of course, Joe Judge. So when you say something like that, and we know he is arrogant to begin with, but that is beyond arrogant to compare a guy to Nick Saban and then say, hey, the replacement is going to be somebody that's never done it before. And this is sort of what aggravates me about Bill. And I'm glad we're hearing some of the stuff has changed is I look at Sean McVay and what Sean McVay does. He goes out there and he identifies defensive coaches that he, quite frankly, sometimes doesn't have a relationship with, like bringing in Brandon Staley because he came from a scheme that beat his team. I don't understand when you're in this position, you lose, in your words, the closest thing you've had to Nick Saban as a coaching partner, if you will, and you don't go outside the family tree at all. Like, why not give Joe Brady a call? See if he's interested. Now he's the with the Bills. The last name really hurt him. That's You're probably right about that. But I just don't understand why. And Joe Brady worked for Sean Payton in New Orleans. And Bill likes Sean Payton. He's from the Parcells tree. Like, that's the thing that aggravates me about the whole situation is the fact that they treated this like it was a non-position when you said the guy prior was that good. And I disagree with Bill. I think that Josh is incredibly overrated. But the fact that Bill said it means he actually thinks that or he's just lying to the media, which I don't think is the case. Right. And do you believe the Patriots and Bill Belichick to be people that just willfully waste money? 
No. Okay. Josh McDaniels was I was reportedly, I think Fourier said four plus million dollars a year as the offensive coordinator. So you you valued him at that rate, and then you replace him with two guys. And I looked this up yesterday. So the Lions under Patricia. Patricia, people think of the Lions as this dumpster fire organization. And they have been for the vast majority of my life. They ruin Thanksgiving every year. So I looked up their records by season and their offensive weapons. So he inherited a 9-7 team from Jim Caldwell, who had made the playoffs the year prior. He has Matthew Stafford as his quarterback, Calvin Johnson as his number one wide receiver. (laughs) And they are six wins, three wins, fired. And the offense was atrocious with that level of talent. Then you look at Joe Judge the last two seasons with Daniel Jones. If we all think he's a good mind who knows every part of the game, the offense was clearly the Giants' biggest issue. They were 17.5 to 15.5 to 13 points per game per season. It is, like, it's not, in New York, when you listen, I check out Boomer and uh, Geo from time to time, just uh, podcasting, listening in the afternoon, our sister station, WFAN in New York, and of course, Boomer will be back Mondays, Patriots Monday with the Greg Hill Show. And they talk about their ability now that they don't have to overcome Joe Judge with the Giants' offensive schemes. So this is how they're viewed across the league. They're, Matthew Patri- Matt Patricia and Joe Judge would not have sniffed an offensive coordinator job if not for the Patriots' opportunity. So that's what's concerning to me. I, I go big picture, Belichick, Kraft, stability. Bill is incredibly competitive. I feel he desperately wants to be right to get this right, which is why he's devoting so much of his time to the offensive side of the ball. He knows Mac Jones is going to be the reason this team sinks or swims in the future. And I trust in his ability to do that more than I do the Red Sox with a more detached Henry, a more broadened portfolio, and Heim Bloom, who I am dubious about at this stage. We're in year three. I know the COVID situation was... A difficult scenario. It was a much shortened season, so it hasn't been a, an ordinary amount of time. But the way that they treated Schwarber, the way that they finally now on what August third or second they get a, a first baseman who can actually it only took put, two years. I mean, it's just like it's unbelievable to me how they have treated that. So I go Red Sox. I go Patriots over Red Sox. You're with the Red Sox over the Patriots. Closest to a title, 617-779-7937. Coming up next, I'm going to play for you the single dumbest prediction for the 2022 NFL season from my (laughs) guy, Colin Coward. But first, here's Brian Barrett with What's Trending. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Get Boston Sports Original on the go. Wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. We're right back to it. Ken and Curtis on WEEI. Big, bold prediction. Bill Belichick retires at the end of the season. First of all, retirement's weird. He likes to golf. He's got a house in Jupiter, Florida, and a beautiful girlfriend. Nice round number of 70. He hasn't named coordinators. He's got kids on the staff. The reality is Bob Kraft and Belichick have always had a little bit of a turbulent relationship. Kraft was close with Brady. Every book you read about New England, Kraft tolerated a lot of the surliness of Belichick. They were 28th ranked in passing. Devontae Parker helps a little. I don't think they're close to Buffalo. Belichick doesn't necessarily love what's happened in the league where players have more power and defense isn't as important. 70 is a good round number. I think they finish third. He walks off into the sunset to his beautiful Jupiter, Florida home. Golfs is a highly paid consultant for the league, but it's going backwards. Weird, wonky, reached on a lot of draft picks. I think Belichick retires as the greatest coach of all time after another nine and eight year i would say almost every reason colin cowherd yesterday on the herd on uh, fox sports one i would say almost every reason he listed would be a reason i would say there's no shot in hell belichick is retiring ken and curtis ken off i'm in curtis brian barrett in for ken i just so I, i i know where he lives in jupiter jupiter is an awesome spot it's a beautiful condo it's overlooking the intercoastal waterway I'm, it's gorgeous right near woods my favorite little uh sports bar down there not far from a certain spa anyway but it's now closed um <laughs> but it, 
I don't understand how having a, a home in Jupiter, Florida, the season, if it goes perfectly, still leaves you two pretty good months down in Jupiter, Florida. And I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. Secondly, not naming a coordinator does not mean that he's leaving. That would mean that he's waiting to fully establish a succession plan. Right. And he's not leaving. And lastly, and most importantly, speaking of Charlie Weiss, we did in the first segment, who joined Merloni, Fourier, and Mego. If you want to check that out, uh, check out the Odyssey app. It's working swimmingly. Um, Charlie Weiss told us years ago from Atlanta when he joined the show uh, leading up to Super Bowl 53 that we asked about Bill and is he going to retire? What does he think? And he said his kids are on his staff. You show up every day and get to be with your kids. He said, I would do that until I died if I had that opportunity. That means he's, I mean, the fact that Steven and and, uh, Brian are on the staff means he's got an anchor, a cause for him to stick around. So I would be shocked if Bill Belichick retired at the conclusion of this season. Only one caveat, if they somehow win a Super Bowl like 2001. Mm, yeah. Then I could say, okay, you know, move on. But I am I have zero belief that Bill Belichick is going to uh, retire at the end of the season. Well, the first thing is, I don't know why he's just, like, randomly making stuff up. He referenced the fact that the Patriots are 28th in passing. That's just factually incorrect. They were 14th in passing yards. I don't know what he's referencing there. It doesn't make any sense. He just said they're 28th in passing. It's like, well, that's not true. Right. So that was part of his argument. But I don't understand it on any level. So let's say the hypothetical is this upcoming season, Mac plays great and the guys I mentioned earlier, Bourne, et cetera, all these guys have good years, year two in the Patriots system, and the Patriots have relatively good year. They make it to the postseason again. Well, then Bill would look at it and say, okay, I got a chance to build off this and make an even deeper run the following season. So why wouldn't he come back if the team's good? If the team sucks, there's no way he can go out, right? Because think about what the narrative is again. Bill before Tom sucked with the Browns. Bill after Tom wasn't good with Cam. Mac was good as a rookie. But then in Mac's year two, the team took a step back. And then that narrative continues to be there with Belichick going forward. And I truly believe that it feels like He's rejuvenated. He's working on the offensive side of the ball. He's expending more energy, it seems like, than he ever has. So I don't see the reason to retire. And the one other thing I mentioned is this, Curtis, and I don't know if you think that this is as important as I do to Bill. This is just me projecting and guessing on him. Is I feel like he wants to leave the organization in a good place. So it's not like he leaves and the organization completely sucks. Like I think he wants to leave when the team's doing relatively well. So it looks like, okay, he had this thing going his entire career. Like I think about it like Bill Walsh, right? Bill Walsh has Montana. They win all those Super Bowls and he found the next guy. And it felt like Bill's been trying to do this since 14, right? He drafts Jimmy Garoppolo. And of course he lost the power struggle with Tom when it comes to that. And they sent Jimmy away. It's clearly the right move for the organization. They won three Super Bowls after that, but now he has the guy. He has the quarterback going forward. So I feel like, if anything, everything that has transpired in the last year and a half would point to actually Bill staying a lot longer than maybe we originally estimated. Yeah, I think, you know, for years he said to the big show back in the day, we used to use this cut constantly where Glenn asked him about his future and he said, I'm not going to be Marv Levy coaching into my 70s. Right. And, you know, they asked him about that as he was approaching his late 60s, and he said, you know, things change. So there is zero shot in my mind. The only thing that has a, a little bit of accuracy to it in that, that minute-long cut from Cowherd was the Kraft belichick thing. I don't think it's as big as he made it seem. There's just He always exaggerates. There's a quote in the most recent Seth Wickersham book where it discusses Robert Kraft complaining at a 
junket and I think Aspen where he's like, I got to go leave the most brilliant people in the world and deal with my a-hole head coach. Right, yep. And that was, I think, likely taken somewhat out of context. And who doesn't leave a vacation or leave an event in a nice place to return to their normal 9-to-5 job and complain about it? I mean, I, I would say that that was not a sign of it. The only thing that signifies any sort of pressure was the comments made in Palm Beach before the owners' meetings in uh, Florida this year where Kraft said that this is a playoff team. So that could be, you know, I. it's a really interesting time for the Patriots and the Red Sox where you have Robert Kraft, who is, you know, hopefully lives another 30 years, but he's probably not going to be in this position on the top of his game for more than, what, five more years? I don't know. And so you have a son, Jonathan, who's prepared to take over. I don't know what Jonathan and Bill's relationship is. And you have the organization trying its best to not succumb to what generally happens across the National Football League when you lose an all-time great quarterback. So it's it's going to be – it's never easy in the end. You know, uh, the, the, there was a saying from JFK that uh, success has a thousand fathers and failure is an orphan. So you have – you know, everybody wants to jump aboard when you're winning. But when you lose, there's nobody that's ready to just say it's me. Everybody points a finger. So it could get ugly. It gets ugly in a lot of organizations. It got ugly with the Cowboys before they even stopped winning. And it's incredibly rare. You have Montana to Young. You have Favre to Rodgers. I don't know of any other really great examples of that where you have. Right. And, like, Mac is not in the category of, like, those other quarterbacks right now, clearly. But if you just have a guy that can play, let's say, at a top 10 level for a decade or so. Well, that gives you an opportunity to win a Super Bowl at some point, right? Because even like, I don't think anybody would say Matthew Stafford is a top five quarterback in the league, right? But he can play at a top 10 level in some weeks. He may look like a top five player. And because the roster was so good, that team won a Super Bowl. So if you can just get that guy to play at that level for an extended period of time, and I know we're only entering year two with Mac, but if he can play at that type of level, okay, you have an opportunity. And the other thing I'd say just in terms of the Kraft-Bill relationship, if Kraft somehow decided to move on from Bill at the end of the season, I think it'd be an atrocious look for Kraft, right? Because, and now maybe Jonathan steps in and says something about it, but my whole point with that is just think about this. So a couple of years ago, he chose Bill over Tom because he felt like, which is kind of crazy to think about now, he felt like the long game was Bill, and Tom's now going to be playing at 45. But his bet was the long game was Bill. All right, so even if you disagree with that bet at the time, he made it. Like, that's the bet he made. He tried to get away with saying basically he had nothing to do with it. Calls up Stephen A. Smith and essentially tells Stephen oh. A. Smith in his break, hey, if Tom wanted to be here, he'd be here, which we all know was crap because you never offered Tom the Drew Brees contract. But that's the bet that Bill has made. So after Tom has gone to Tampa and won a Super Bowl in 2020, he played at an MVP caliber level last year, and he's probably going to play at an MVP caliber level again this year with that Tampa team that is still relatively loaded. And then you decide after this year that Bill's not the guy anymore. Well, then you're just acknowledging that you've completely screwed this thing up. So I think Kraft is all in, has to be all in with this bet. Or it's going to look, the Brady divorce, if Bill's done after this year, say that's the Colin Cowherd bet, that would look even worse for Kraft. I mean, you could not make a worse bet if that's the case because you had a crappy year with Cam, 
a pretty good season with Mac as a rookie, although they fell off at the end, and then whatever this season would entail, and if he is moving on, you would think that the team would suck, right? So that would be make this whole situation, the Brady-Belichick divorce, from Kraft's perspective, not from Brady, not from Bill, but from Kraft in particular, it would look horrible. Yeah, and I, I you know, it is the one side of this where I believe the Red Sox and Patriots have similarities, where you have Robert Kraft, who, as I've said a thousand times, I understand the calculus he made, it was clear that Tom and, Br- and uh, Bill had reached a point of no return. So you have to make a decision as a businessman, as a man that's operated this organization since 1994, where you have to decide which side you are going to bet on for the future. And it was there have been coaches that have coached late into their 60s, into their 70s at a high level. We have never had a quarterback in their 40s get to three Super Bowls, win two of them, and do what Brady's done. I I understand that. Especially the 2018 championship was far more like the 0-1-0-3 Patriots than it was the 14-16 and ones that were offensive firepower just juggernauts led by Brady. So I get all that. It's the manner in which Robert has decided to try and cloud and muddy the water of that decision. And I think today... The Patriots fans, by and large, at least half of them, are done with the guy. They've moved on. They they don't care. They want they they're happy, you know, for him and his success, but they're tired of hearing about how he was the only reason the Patriots won. So if they just take that mantle and run with it, I feel like you would just you would at least be standing behind the decisions you make. The the manner in which he called Stephen A and the way they've tried to make it seem that, well, you know, Brady could have stayed if he wanted to. We would have offered it. It's just nobody with a brain believes that. And so I, I, the Belichick side of it, I if I'm Robert Kraft, there is no way in hell at this point I am going to go on from Bill because, as I've said, I, you know, who are you replacing him with? Sean Payton. I don't think the Patriots and Sean Payton are best of friends considering what happened with the Dolphins with the tampering that's been released recently. Oh. I don't think Sean Payton's coming to Foxborough to coach the Patriots after Bill Belichick retires, especially considering how close he is with Tom, and I'm sure how Tom has discussed the organization to Sean. So I don't know who's out there other than Nick Saban, who failed already in the AFC East, who the coach is that you're going to bring in to replace Belichick with, especially since... He has really consolidated power within the organization. Like The whole team is beholden to Bill. You'd have to empty the entire staff and bring in a brand new philosophy, which is something at Robert Kraft's uh, time in the league I don't think he'd be interested in. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is like I hated the fact that Kraft, going back to the owners' meeting, that he was basically saying all this stuff about the playoff team and we spent a lot of money. That, to me, was just an unfair comment to make because of the fact that, okay, well, you know, they've been winning Super Bowls for you for 20 years, okay? So, yeah, Brady's gone, but Bill was a large portion of the equation of why you won those. So the fact that he had a couple of down years from a draft perspective and they had to go out and spend money, he made it back to the playoffs last season. You're out there saying, like, oh, we bet this is a playoff team. We spent a lot of money on that. That was completely unfair. It's almost as if anything that goes wrong for the organization, it's never been Kraft's fault. Kraft has been right in every scenario, and when there was a bad situation, right, like, Prior to the Brady divorce, remember that he took credit for essentially getting Bill and Brady back like on track together. And I, was that Wickersham's book as well? It was one of the books. Like in seventeen, Bill put it out. That Bill talked to both parties, and they got, or excuse me, Kraft talked to both parties, and they got things organized back again, and they felt better about where they were at. Like so, he'll yeah. let you know, like when there's a bad situation and it's fixed. But when it's a poor situation, 
he won't. And the other thing about just going out there and getting a coach, it almost is like the Brady situation too, right? Like you're just going to find somebody that's better than the greatest guy to ever do it, even if you have an issue with his roster right now from a defensive perspective and some of his draft picks in recent years. You're really going to find somebody better than Bill when, to your point, his whole staff is basically his family. I mean, it's his players and his family. It's Steve Belichick. It's Matt Patricia. It's Troy Brown who played for him. It's Gerard Mayo who played for him. So you're just going to blow that up, find somebody else to come over and take the organization. I feel like that's just – and what makes that job so attractive, right? Like, I like Mac Jones as a quarterback, but let's say the Patriots win seven games next season. Who's like, okay, you know what I want to do? I want to replace Bill Belichick on a roster that in some areas is completely barren. That's the attractive job that I want to go to rather than like one would say an up-and-coming young quarterback as well where you're not going to be compared to Bill Belichick either. I just feel like that's a really difficult ask. And for them to think, I mean, circling back to Bill saying Josh was Nick Saban, for them to say we can find the next guy that's going to be like the next Belichick because that's what you're hoping for, right? The next great coach in the history of the NFL – for them to think they can find it, I just don't think they will. Right, and it's not exactly like this is the most patient fan base in America by by nature than when you already consider where this team has been. And, you know, that we're going to get to Brady here in a little bit because I know the second we go deep into the tampering, we'll never get out of it. But the fact that today people are saying he quit on them in 2019 when they won 12 games, the division, and the reason they lost the bye was because after Brady took the offense down the field in the fourth quarter in Week 17 against the Dolphins, Ryan Fitzpatrick went down the field without any resistance whatsoever, embarrassed Stephon Gilmore, and then you lose the first playoff game, the wild card game at home against the Titans. So that was the long play to get Parker. Right. And so you had you had a twelve win team, which never happened in the Patriots history until Brady came in for Bledsoe. Well, they didn't win in 01 because they only won eleven games because he, you know, didn't start the season. But starting in two thousand three winning back-to-back 14-game seasons. That had never happened. 12 had never happened in the history of the organization. And then it happened in Brady's final year, and it hasn't happened since. So you have the Patriots and the Red Sox both winning World Series in 2018 and winning a Super Bowl in a World Series. And each team sort of in this bizarre middling area where we're not exactly sure where they're headed. We don't know what the ceiling is. We don't know much about the way they're doing business as Belichick has shifted the entire offense. They've shifted their offensive and drafting approach in certain degrees. The free agency, they went bonkers last year, did nothing this year. The Red Sox have Heim, who's operating as if he's in Tampa half the time, and then he signs Story out of the out of the blue. It's been a bizarre situation there. But before we get to uh, Brady and get back and get to your calls in the 617-779-7937, the Mac Jones thing, and we deal with it on the morning show a lot with Wiggy and Shime, who just hate the guy. I don't understand the the venom to Mac Jones just as his own entity. Okay, I don't think he's Tom Brady. Nobody's Tom Brady. But he was not the reason you should have felt like bleep after that playoff loss in Buffalo. He wasn't the reason you didn't punt get didn't force Allen to punt once in Foxborough. He won the game up in Buffalo. Not throwing the ball, but you know, you win a crazy night, the I'm sure the windiest environment he's ever been a part of. He's now starting year two, which was Brady's year one. Mm-hmm. He was thrown in after the team was horrifically bad with Cam Newton, stabilized the offense, seemed to understand it very quickly. I I have no issue with Mac Jones, the quarterback. I right. have an issue with what they put around him and who they put to coach him. But it, Mac Jones on his own, I don't understand the rage. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that. And just to be transparent, I when they drafted Mac, that was not the guy that I wanted. But after watching Mac in his rookie season, I don't know how you couldn't be high on the kid. He had an unbelievable rookie season for a guy that was put into a very difficult situation from a roster construction situation and just from the guy that he was ultimately replacing, Tom Brady. And remember, he had to win that training camp battle. It's not like he was named the starter right when he got here, so he had to beat out Cam in camp. I felt like he was fatigued at the end of the season. But the thing I look at with Mac is I feel like the Patriots last season, Curtis, they made life more difficult on Mac Jones than it needed to be. And maybe part of that was just because they didn't know right away it was going to be his team. But I look at it like in terms of just the low-hanging fruit in the NFL. The Patriots did none of that crap last year. Mac Jones had 32 passing attempts out of RPOs. He completed 28 of them, 28 of 32. He only threw 32 out of RPOs the entire season against Notre Dame in the, what was it, the semifinal game. He was 10 of 11 on RPOs. This guy was one of the best RPO quarterbacks at the collegiate level his final year there. In fact, he was from an accuracy standpoint, and yet they weren't using RPOs. Play-action pass game, which is like the low-hanging fruit in the NFL. Mac Jones was 17th in attempts. And it's not as if there have been studies done on this. You don't need to have a good rushing attack to be able to do play action. The Patriots actually had one, and they ignored that. So that's stuff that Mac was really good at at the collegiate level. They didn't use. So this is why I'm optimistic going into this season when I know, like we said, they're struggling at training camp, et cetera. But the fact that we heard there's got to be changes to the offense, what makes what I think is essentially what they're doing is they finally – They're taking the Brady offense and they're saying, okay, well, now we had this offense for so long. It worked for Tom. Not everybody can run the offense that Tom had. We got to start building things around max skill. So more RPOs, more quick game, more play action pass attack. And that's where I think Mac could really take a leap in year two. I don't see the argument for Mac taking a step back. I know a lot of people are throwing that out there. I think that's an asinine take. I could not, I cannot envision that happening. No, and I, you know, it's, it's hilarious. We got a text because that I didn't mention that Brady threw the pick six of the first half of that Dolphins game in week 17. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Brady only ended the game throwing two touchdown passes in the second half, including a touchdown to James White with three minutes and 40 seconds left in the game, where they, Patriots, then allowed Ryan Fitzpatrick to go, I believe it was an 80 yard drive. Yeah, they picked on Gilmore. Remember that? He got torched. Yeah, that whole game. So did, did Mac Jones throw the game in Week 17 this past season when in the first quarter he threw a pick six in Miami? I mean, I don't think Mac was trying to do that. It's pretty idiotic to bring that up, that he would be throwing the game in the first half but then winning the game in the second half. Seems like a strange thing. But I, I do believe that the Mac – I feel I'm concerned about his season and how he will be treated in that insofar as I don't believe it will be his fault. I don't, I don't think that Mac Jones is going to be the reason this team is not successful. I don't think Mac Jones was the reason they lost in Buffalo in the playoff game. Their defense was horrific. By the way, what, where's Dante Hightower? Is he done? I, I think he is, yeah. Uh, I mean, he was definitely done last year. Yeah, I mean, and so they, but they don't replace Wait, him. I Max, don't understand it. Yeah, Mac's one of the guys that actually showed up. Mac showed up and Kendrick Bourne showed up. Both those guys showed up for the playoff game. Basically, nobody on the defense did, but... I'm guessing they think that they're going to, and they mentioned basically the reason they didn't take a linebacker early was because they felt like basically Cameron McGrone becomes now somebody that is essentially a rookie because he got redshirted last year because of the injury. So I'm guessing that's their bet. And they're going to need these young guys. That's what they need is these young guys, Barmore, McGrone, Duggar, all these guys have to be like 
the core group of players like we saw with the early 2000s Patriots, they need to hit on some of those young guys because from a veteran perspective, there's just not a lot of talent. And it's amazing because we have the, the my favorite theory thus far as to why Joe Judge and Patricia are coaching the um, the offense together. What if one coach gets COVID, you have another coach that's ready to go coach on the field? Who does that take? That is uh, 978, oh. uh, no, 401 text right now. <laughs> Let's go to your call, 617-779-7937. Uh, what do you think? Sox, Patriots, who's next to win? What do, you, what do you make of the Mac Rage? And we'll get to Brady in a bit. But here's uh, Ray up in Maine. Good morning, Ray. How are you? Morning, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Uh, I got an interesting theory, and uh, I'll hang up and listen after. But um, a lot of talk was made when, when Bill spent a lot of time down in Alabama this offseason about him being down there to maybe try to recruit Bill O'Brien. But what if he was really down there more or less to learn kind of what Mac was doing in college and how he could take all that back up here and implement it? And maybe it is to get O'Brien, you know, maybe in a year and another year or two, but, you know, to, to make this offensive transition but formulate it around Mac and get rid of kind of the – the old McDaniels-Brady offense and kind of just simplify things for Mac. Because, Ray, this coaching staff has, I mean, I'm sorry, Mac Jones himself has said he's had a really tough time getting his feet wet in this Shanahan-based offense. It's not an offense based on anything he was doing at Alabama. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I mean, good theory, but no. He... I thought it was an outstanding theory. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really did. Like, I mean, think about it. Like, you go to the coach that he played for at the collegiate level. I mean, I got to imagine that Bill talks to Saban about Mac a lot. Like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think? Like, why wouldn't he? How could you not use him as a sounding board, right? Right. Well, I Same mean, thing with Barmore. Like, I'm sure he asked him, hey, where should I put Barmore in this situation? Saban right. probably gives him the information. Before he went down about 15 years ago, he was going to play high tower at quarterback. And then Nick Saban <laughs> said, no, he's a linebacker. <laughs> Bill. So. Keep him at linebacker, okay? <laughs> All right, we're going to hear from Charlie Weiss, who is the foremost expert on offensive coordinating in New England to discuss what he thinks about Matt Patricia coaching the offensive line and calling plays. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours... The energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. We're back, Ken and Curtis, on WEEI. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. Can he wear both hats? Can he coach the offensive line during the game and call plays? I think that, I think it, that's a little. I think it's a little rough. You know, I haven't I haven't seen very many offensive offensive line coaches in that position. Now. Uh, you'll have to give me the answer because I don't know this. Who's the assistant offensive line coach? I think it's Billy Yates. Basically, what what you'd be doing is you'd be counting. You'd have enough confidence that when the guys were on the sideline, 
okay, coming off the field, and you know, you're all talking on the phone. Billy can handle the initial issues that have to be handled. Why? Why Matt or is getting together with? Okay, here's what what happened here. Here's what we're going to do. Okay, let's pass it on to everyone. So, I mean, I think that as long as he has another guy as you know, as a sounding board with the with the players, because you can't be in two places at one time. You know, you can't be getting ready for the next series and be coaching the play, coaching the offense, five offensive linemen all at the same time. So you have to. There's going to have to be another set of hands. And there's going to have to be another mouth involved if, if, if that's the way it plays out. That was Charlie Weiss on Merloni Fourier in Mago yesterday. Check that out at EEI.com or on the Odyssey app if you want to listen to the full interview. Very well done by those guys. I enjoy the show immensely, so give it a listen if you haven't yet. Uh, and I agree with him wholeheartedly that it is incredibly difficult to ask someone to do sort of the job of Dante Scarnacchia, where it's another thing is we praised this organization for these brilliant staffs from Weiss to McDaniels to Billy O to Rack to Flores to Patricia to Joe Judge being the special teams coordinator to Dante Scarnacchia, Ivan Fears, the running backs coach, up and down the roster, and there's just been a brain drain, and it more, more specifically an experience drain when it comes to these areas, and it's a team now where you had in the defense, whether it was Brewski early on or Hightower in the later years or or Ninkovich, a smart outside linebacker, or in offense you obviously had Brady and Edelman and Gronk and Amendola and these veterans that didn't even require the same amount of, I guess for lack of a better term, effort from the coaching staff. So now you have a team that needs coaching more than ever and you have reduced the coaching staff to a place with the least experience it's had in the entire tenure of Bill Belichick's time here. Well, I think, too, like part of that, and I know Fourier's been like on this kick about an offensive line coach can't also be the offensive coordinator, but I think what we're seeing here, it's pretty obvious, right? I mean, Billy Yates is going to be the de facto offensive line coach. They just had to list, basically, Patricia in some weird role because they don't want to pay him the coordinator situation because he's getting paid by Detroit, so it doesn't behoove them to announce that He's actually the offensive coordinator, so it's just a title. He's going to be the play caller, and Billy Yates is going to be the guy during the games, not saying doing it to this level, but he's going to be in the Skarnacki role where he's coaching up the linemen during the game. I feel like it's pretty obvious at this point based on what we found out about Matt Patricia being so heavily involved in everything with the play calling that that's why Billy Yates is the assistant line coach, and during game week, he's going to be the guy in charge of all that. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, Patricia... Curtis, some, was he ever upstairs or was he always downstairs as the defensive coordinator? I'm trying to remember back to Patricia? That. He was always downstairs. Downstairs, yeah. I wonder if that'll change. Because you see it more often now. I think Bill likes to have the play callers down there. Like, Josh was always down there. But I wonder if they'll push him upstairs. I also wonder. It's going to be very interesting, the, the CBS-Fox approach to the Patriots games where you always have the, the crap shot. You know who's, oh, yeah. who's with Robert. That's who's always a key, the right? Who's who are they? Are they going to even have somebody up there? Or are they going to not? I you know I don't know whether the team's okay. You know the footage of the yeah. coaches up there. So my guess is if everybody's wearing a headset, which all the coaches are on the sideline anyway, they would not want to have Patricia up there clearly being the one that's sending the plays down. If that makes any sense, if Patricia yeah. and Judge are both on the sideline. Are they going to be able to gauge who's saying what or what are they doing or if it's Bill? Who the hell knows? Yeah, now that I think about it, they'll probably have them downstairs just so it's it's going to be somewhat streamlined because, 
if Bill's there, especially with Patricia being in the first year of essentially doing this role, Bill's going to want to be in his ear. Like, he would even do that with Josh at times, and he'd be like, run it. Like, so Bill's going to want to be, like, right next to him. Well, last year, after the Cowboys game, Bedard reported that Belichick had taken over a large, you know, he's he had delegated Josh the offense entirely, and he was having his back turned to the field, coaching up the defense. Because if you recall that overtime walk-off loss to the Cowboys at home, McCourty made some comment about not being in the right play, or I'm right. not exactly sure. So it'll be a uh, an interesting. The Patriots do whatever they can to be boring, and they're always fascinating. Well, and that's an underrated part of the story too. Is okay. So if Bill's more involved on the offensive side, what we saw from the defense last year that Bedard report after the Cowboys game, he took over, and then apparently he gave it up once they came back from the bye week when the Patriots started getting killed again. That wasn't Bill's defense. It was Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo. Just, it right. just so happened that at that time, Bill was like, after the bye week, you guys can take over. But my point about that is he felt it was necessary last year after his team had given up the most yards ever against his defense, against the Belichick defense, against Dak Prescott and that Cowboys team. He felt it was necessary for him to take a bigger role and essentially, by the reporting, take over the defense. Okay, well, what happens if that happens again this year? So is he going to do that again when we have all this stuff going on in the offensive side of the ball when Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are new to those roles? So how can he do So, all right, so, hey, week three through six, Bill's going to be with the defense more. Week seven through ten, right, it's Bill's so heading back. Weird. To the, it, it's, it's like he has so, it is so much responsibility. I get he's the head coach, but this is very unique to any NFL situation we've ever seen where the defense had issues last year from a coaching staff perspective, found out, oh, Steve can't run the meetings, so Dryden needs to run the meetings, but Steve's calling the plays, and now you have this situation with the offense. It just feels like Bill is putting too much, like way too, too much on his shoulders. Even if we dislike Josh sometimes in his play calling, at least he knew, like, he, Josh, this is your offense, you run the offense, this is your thing. This year, you don't have any of that, unless he really thinks like his kid's now ready for the role, although last year he couldn't run meetings, so how could he be? Right, and it's just, you know, it's amazing to me, because while I believe the Patriots will win the title before the Red Sox, their their next title, both not winning since 18, which is hilarious when you consider that the 18 used to mean 19, 18, now it's 2018, and it's been a drought, but... The, the situation with this offseason, right, the morning after, the Sunday morning after the blowout loss to the, the Bills in the uh, wild card game, we all said, you need to add. We need, they need a good draft. Right. They need to have another impressive offseason. They need to figure out, you know, weapons around Mac. They need to keep building, and they need a huge draft. Well, the draft was a dud of all duds. And the free agent market was non-existent, even though Matthew Judon... Has anybody asked Judon at his press availability about his wooing of free agent stars on social media that didn't land Oh, uh, That was an embarrassing look. That so, was an embarrassing so look. So uh, that would be the only question I would ask jo- uh, Matthew Judon, other than what happened at the end of the year. But wouldn't has he has he talked about that, Nick? Have you seen anything about that? Unbelievable. It's just strange well, to me. That seemed to me that was the number one story of a player in the offseason where he is openly, he begged jo- Julio Jones to come here, who landed in Tampa. But well, but in terms of the draft, like I understand, like the reaction to the draft right after it happened, everybody was pissed off about it. But it does feel like Tyquan Thornton is turning some heads at training camp, and that that guy could be. And I like the fact that they identified something that they didn't have. Right? We need to find somebody with super speed. We need a deep threat, and they went out and they got that. Now the Cole Strange, the value play there, I don't get it. Okay, I'm fine with moving on from Shaq Mason if you feel like you got a starter for the next 
five, whatever the. But rookie. that no, it doesn't work, Brian. Because what, what you have, Shaq Mason, you have holes you need to fill. Use the first round pick on something right. else. Well, my problem is not moving on from Mason. My problem is the value you got in return for him. Like if you're trading away Shaq Mason because he's on the other side of thirty, you don't think he's part of the long term future of this organization. Then it makes sense to me to move on from Mason. But my problem with it is, how is the return for Shaq Mason a fifth-round pick? That's my problem with it. So in a vacuum, I don't mind getting rid of the player. My whole thing is, how do you only get a fifth-round draft pick for the guy? That, to me, makes no sense whatsoever. There has got to be more teams that would have been in on Shaq Mason. I agree. All right, before we get to the Brady thing, we're gonna I'm going to ask the simple Brady question in a second before the top of the hour, but we'll sneak in uh, Tom in Watertown talking about Mac Jones and the fans. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Hey, Curtis. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how many fans that I, I speak for, but, um, although I agree with your point that too much blame was, was put on, um, Mac Jones, you know, for the Patriots, um, dismal season. Um, my problem with, with the, the pick, with picking Mac Jones, why would you want to pick a old, old fashioned pocket quarterback? Okay. Who, it was very limited in terms of ability to run and, um, you know, get you a first down by running for 20 or 30 yards when the situation calls for it. And he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world either. Why not take a quarterback like Trask? I watched Trask almost single-handedly beat Alabama. They lost 52-46, to 46, okay? And Trask was running the offense down the field with, like, two minutes to go. He doesn't have the offensive line. He doesn't have great receivers. Why would you not pick a quarterback that can Tom, you know, have one of the some, best uh, a quarterback that's more in the mold of a Josh Allen, uh, you know, who can be a running back at times, who can take off and get you 20 or 30 yards because, when need be? Uh, I mean, why? My, why would you settle? Why would you settle for a quote unquote pocket quarterback? That's old fashioned. Well, that's 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 the old way. OK, if I can answer here for a second, Tom, I would say that they value what's above the shoulders more than what's below it, more than other teams. And they think, right. you know, sure. I'm not saying Josh sure. Allen's dumb or whatever. I just think they were also not going to trade. Um, they were not going to trade it up into the top 10 and use that kind of ammunition to get a guy like Justin Fields or um, not maybe he went 11. Who was that? Trey Lance went third, right? So they, they weren't going to move up into the top 10. What I believe happened on draft night was Mac Jones was there at 15 and they were like, holy mm-hmm. crap, and, you know, this guy can handle our offense. He's going to be a plug and play guy. We'll move on from Cam and we'll have an opportunity to grow into the future, whatever it manifests itself into. So it's not as though Bill was like, I have to take a pocket passer. I think Mac Jones, mm-hmm. it was opportunity in terms of him being there while they were there at 15, and it was his ability to understand a difficult offense that drew him to them. And I don't know how after year one you can't say it wasn't anything but a success. Yeah, and Tom, I would just say this to you real quickly. I don't know what Kyle Trask you were watching at Florida. He had, in his second to last year, his junior year, he had eight rushing yards, and his last year he had 50. Mac had 129 all of last season. Okay, well, I guess the game I saw against Alabama was the um, exception. You know, I, I maybe I put too much stock into that yeah. particular game. All right, well, game. Tom, thanks for the call. I mean, I think, listen, Kyle Trask was a first-round pick at the beginning of the year when he was a college football player at Florida, but by the end he was, yeah, I think he went to Tampa in the second round. I don't know. Anyway. Well, like, okay, like, if you want to have an argument about Mac Jones, I don't think the argument to present is they should have drafted Kyle Trask over Mac Jones. I mean, come on. Stop yeah. it. Mac's one of the 
most accurate quarterbacks in the history of college football. That's not hyperbolic. That's legitimately the numbers. Right. I, 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 Kyle Trask. I mean, and it was like Mac Jones was formulated in a lab designed specifically for this team, and then now randomly after one year they're changing the entire offense. But I have waited long enough. Ken Laird's not here, and he would be screaming at me. Simple question. Has your opinion of Tom Brady changed with the latest revelation of the tampering allegations and the charges that he was speaking to the Dolphins while a member of the Patriots. We'll get your thoughts on that next at 617-779-7937. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.